This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with Willem van Denderen very shortly. And just when you thought you'd seen everything that football has to offer, along comes two of the greatest comebacks, not only in the 64-year history of Europe's elite competition, but the history of the entire game itself. First, Liverpool shake Anfield to its very foundations with an epic 4-0 result over Lionel Messi's Barcelona. Then 24 hours later, Lucas Moura becomes a Spurs hero for all time with the most incredible and nail-biting of hat-tricks. After all that, you have to spare a thought for poor old Vincent Company, who might have thought his blockbusting strike that might well secure Manchester City. The Premier League title would have been the news for a little longer than a couple of days. So off the top of the show, we're going to chat to a very good friend of the program, a man who was right in the middle of the Reds' heroics, the voice of Anfield, George Sefton, to reflect on the week and look ahead to what's shaping as a thrilling final weekend of the English Premier League. Then, of course, the domestic competition has it all to play for this weekend. So we'll turn our attention to the preliminary finals and chat with Sydney FC's Ryan Grant and preview those preliminary finals with our very own former Notts County man and 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, Dean Hennessy, in the second hour. We'll do as we always do and kick off with second edition news and the latest on Socceroos and Matilda's Central with the Women's World Cup only 20 nine days away. Then we've got a special guest in the studio, former ITN executive producer Derek Dyson, who is a gunner to his core to help us go through all the promotion and relegation stories and stick around. Dean will do that with Derek and Edge and I to look ahead to the weekend's crescendo of the EPL. And of course, if we've got time, Edge, we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. What about stoppage time in the Spurs game? Four minutes and 50 seconds of five minutes had elapsed. And then all hell broke loose. Unbelievable. Um, Ajax, who'd actually played an incredible match, hadn't they? But yeah. uh, they just got rolled over the top of uh, in that uh, gripping, nail-biting excitement and drama. What a game we have. It's the best game in the world, and that's mm. the reason why. Um, we will talk about that uh, ad nauseum and extensively with Dean, obviously, in the European segment. Um, but at um, those two games, I, I just can't wait to talk to the voice of Anfield. George Sefton, um, he lived uh, through uh, what happened at Liverpool at Anfield and who would have thought that could be topped and it was the next day. But um, for me, uh, back to local scenes, um, I know Willem will have the news in a moment, but Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory crash out of the Asian Champions League. Mm. Um, we know uh, how much we love that tournament. However, we've got the A-League semi-finals to look forward to. Last year, the semi-finals produced the most amazing mm, games. It, it was the scorpion kick goal, obviously, yes. from... From the young fellow, and then um, and then obviously the drama of uh, what happened, uh, Melbourne Victory getting over the top of Sydney. So we've got another Melbourne Victory Sydney semi final. Look forward to. And Riley and McGree I... will be watching it. Well, he won't be watching it with his sacked coach, will he? No, he won't be watching it with his uh, sacked coach. Well, I don't think he was sacked, Alan jo- uh, Warren Joyce. I think it was a parting of the ways, end of contract. <laughs> You sack a coach when they've still got something left to pay out, but uh, that was interesting. Um, but so much to look forward to, and Willem has got some news. Okay, Michael. Melbourne City has parted ways with manager Warren Joyce after a frustrating two-year partnership. City failed to win silverware or qualify for the Asian Champions League under Joyce, two key parameters stated by the City Football Group. The question I've got for you, Willem, is do you think uh, a local-grown Australian coach would have done any worse than what Warren Joyce has done over the last two years? I think they probably would have, Michael. I think the problem with for Joyce from day one was that his attitude is in um, contradiction to the Australian football attitude. 
He's a, pro a product of the English system where fans understand you might have to set up a team for two, three weeks to get two, three points. Um, rightly or wrongly in Australia, we don't have relegation and the fans were not going to accept that sort of football. I think it could be argued that he was perhaps too mature for the Australian football mindset. And yeah, I think it's been a pretty poor two years. And um, the other thing that the, the local fans didn't uh, understand or tolerate was uh, he was really all in on this bet, wasn't he, when he uh, he uh, let Fornaroli go and, uh, and, well, and won Tim the battle Cale, against... Fornaroli, well, Tim Cale, Fornaroli, Neil Kilkenny. Well, I was yeah. about to mention those names, Tim yeah. Cale, and uh, as the, you mentioned the other names. So, so he was all in on that bet, and it was... Uh, it was, he, he was only ever going to win or lose. There was no grey area in the outcome. Now, Warren Joyce's CV, as we know, is unbelievable. Um, you know, he's worked with the, some of the biggest clubs and some of the biggest names in football. But here in Australia, uh, with Melbourne City, um, he, he just he just was boring. He just was mm -hmm. dour. He didn't open up to the he didn't open up to the media. Um, he was not uh, entertaining in any way whatsoever. And obviously, Melbourne City it was just more of the same. So I'm pretty happy he's gone. I'll be interested to see uh, who comes along next time. Adelaide United looks set to announce Gertjan Verbeek as Marco Kurtz's replacement as manager once their current campaign comes to an end. Verbeek has been handpicked by a fellow Dutchman, United chairman Piet van der Poel. Verbeek has managed eight clubs across Holland and Germany, which included Eze Alkmaar when Brett Holman was, uh, was there. He also recruited Robbie Cruz to Bochum, but I think the question stands, why are they getting rid of Marco Kurz? It seems an awful shame. My assessment of that situation, Willem, is that Marco Kurz is gone because he was appointed by the previous ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, he's German, and uh, the Dutch guys are in control, and they want one of their own men in the A lot of history between the Dutch and the Germans. Just a little. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> so maybe... I'm probably drawing too long a bow there, but uh, no, I think it's it'll just be a, interesting the, to see. The chairman wants his own man in there. Fair Simple enough. as that. Melbourne City goalkeeper Eugene Galekovic has joined a star-studded cast of A-League retirees, announcing last weekend's loss to former club Adelaide is said to be his final match. Galekovic amassed 288 matches and two championships across 14 years in the A-League, with Melbourne Victory, Adelaide and latterly Melbourne City. And Gippsland Falcons at some point, I reckon. Gippsland before that. Yeah. Were he, they in the A-League at any stage? Uh, they were in the... Uh, well, the a can I just say football didn't start with the A-League, Rob? Oh, really? Thanks yeah. for letting me know that. I'll tell you what I do in. remember, though, is that Eugene Galekovic started his A-League career as the understudy to Michael Theoklatos um, at Victory all he those did. years ago, didn't he? he so did. uh, who would have thought? But he's that... cut his teeth in the old NSL. So how old is he, Willem? Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. I mean, goalkeepers—they can go into fifty, can't they? <laughs> Especially in the A-League. Not this one. <laughs> Western United, speaking of older players, have continued to shape their inaugural squad, announcing former Socceroo Scott McDonald would join like them next it. season. McDonald has not played in Australia since 1999 when he burst onto the NSL scene with Gippsland Falcons. After a distinguished career in the UK, he recently spent several months retired before coming back and joining Partick Thistle, where seven goals in 13 matches kept them in the Scottish second division. He's a he's a seasoned pro. He's, he's actually scored... Um, I was just about to say you know, something I shouldn't on the radio, but mm. he scored a lot of goals in Scotland. Um, <laughs> but what he didn't do was score any goals for the Socceroos. So it'll just be interesting to see how he slots back into the A-League and whether he's still got enough uh, juice in the tank to uh, get a result for Western United. He's mentioned in the past how keen he is to come back and play yeah, domestically. Yeah, he's, he's, he's to been close to coming back a couple of times. He mentioned yeah, that he show as well. Yeah, we had him on the show. He's, he's good. Yeah. Sounds like a Scotsman, even though he's an Australian. Sydney FC's Asian Champions League campaign is over, following a 1-0 loss to Korean side Ulsan Hyundai. They joined victory in exiting in the group stage, meaning no Australian side has progressed from the group stage in the last three ACL campaigns. 
Victory's youth, uh, young side were batted 4-0 by Daegu on match day five. Each side has one match to play at home next week, although that will be secondary in their minds after Sunday's Big Blue semi-final. Well, most Australian football fans want to see Australia emerge as a genuine force uh, after the, you know, the, the probably false dawn of the Wanderers winning it um, in their formative years. But uh, you know, how far away do you think we are from really being a, a serious contender, um, you know, regularly in that competition? I think Dean's on the money here in terms of there's a couple of things that artificially impact the the A-League teams. Obviously, our resource-based salary cap, depth of players, and uh, the visa player situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult one, um, but it's so important for the A-League in terms of its uh, reach and impact into Asia that these teams get out of the group and make an impact in the Asian Champions League because it cultivates uh, television audiences, it cultivates brand awareness, and also um, assists the reach of the A-League into that area, um, was really disappointed to hear that the chairman of the Australian Professional Football League clubs, professional clubs, uh, effectively the A-League owner's spokesperson last week in Kuala Lumpur talk about uh, no Asian players sort of being welcome in the A-League. So um, there's a lot of work there. I'm disappointed. You know how much I'm passionate about mm. the Asian Champions League. I'm, um, Sydney, um, although they finished bottom of the table in their group, they gave it a good shake uh, through. They played some fantastic football against some big clubs. Melbourne Victory were probably more disappointing than Sydney. Neil Kilkenny has been named for tonight's crunch A-League semi-final against Adelaide United. Perth had been sweating on Kilkenny's fitness after he took a knock to the ankle in training last week. The Glory will host their first final since 2012 tonight, and while strong favourites, Kilkenny's admission would have been a major blow, although it looks like he might be fit. And you've also got uh, James Troisi included in the victory uh, Won't play. squad. Uh, well, yeah, Won't he's play. been um, named, so we'll wait and see. Seven, eight days ago. Won't yeah. play. Well, it is a 21-day injury, as we all know, mm. so you are probably right. Well done, Willem. Thank um, you. All right, we'll stand by, gentlemen, because uh, you'll never walk alone will be the refrain that we hear when our next guest joins us, George Sefton. I, I, I'm going to ask him, because I thought I could hear him singing over the, the PA when uh, they played it at the end of the game as well, which uh, was... Just incredible. George Sefton, the voice of Anfield, next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Well, we talked from the top of the show about the topic of football that's been on every football fan's lips over the last couple of days, and that is the incredible... Champions League ties that uh, we've had the privilege to watch. A man who was there right in the middle, the thick of the action at Anfield, watching the Reds pull off the most amazing of European nights at that glorious ground, is the voice of Anfield, George Sefton. George, welcome back to the show. Pleasure to be back. I'm glad to, glad, always glad to talk to you guys. Thank you, George. Now, George, when you played You'll Never Walk Alone um, at the end of the game, yeah. I, I could have sworn I heard you uh, singing along in the background. Uh, no, you wouldn't <laughs> like it if I sing. Believe me. But I did hear uh, a full house at Anfield, mate. But going into that game, only the most optimistic would have realistically had hope. What were your yeah. feelings um, as you as you arrived at the ground? I don't know. I couldn't sort of work up any any feeling for the outcome. Although I did say. I wouldn't be at all surprised if he went to extra time and penalties. You know, 3-0 would have uh, sent us to that, but I just had this funny feeling I was going to have a late night because, you know, I didn't want a late night, but that, that would have made it worth it. In the end, of course, we, you know, the 4-0 meant we went straight through, but the crowd just didn't want to go home. Yeah. And when we eventually got out, 
you know, I, I spoke to a lot of people yesterday who said they just couldn't sleep when they got home. I was, I mean, I was up till two thirty in the morning sending emails. I was so wound up; it was incredible. Well, George, in all of your experiences, the obvious question you've probably been asked at a hundred times from people that you've run into over the last twenty-four, forty-eight hours. But where does it rate in terms of the atmosphere in the ground and the response uh, to what transpired? Where does it rate for you? You remember the quote from the great football manager Brian Clough. Uh, to paraphrase that, I wouldn't say it was the greatest night at Anfield, but it was definitely up there in the top one. <laughs> <laughs> and, that's and fantastic. That's about it. I mean, I, I can't remember a night like it. I mean, the, the noise surpassed anything I've ever heard. I know my, my wife was at home watching the TV. She, she said she had to turn the volume down on the TV. And in my little corner of, of Anfield, my room was physically shaking. I've been over that side since they moved me out of the main, the old main stand 20 years ago, and it has never, ever done that. Once in a while, you hear people banging their feet on the the floor in the seats that are just above my my room, but the the place was physically, literally rocking on, <laughs> on Tuesday night. It's never done that before. It was just incredible, just so privilege to be there. Hi, right, George. And at the end of the uh, the first leg, uh, Barcelona made a decent fist of making it 4-0. And, uh, yes. Messi himself actually was had his head in his hands, almost as if he knew that, you know, that was a big chance to, to make it 4-0 and put the game to bed. Do you think that, you know, Liverpool had belief in, in the game that they, they could, they definitely could do it? And do you think, I'm, I'm how sure big do you think they that did. Was? I'm sure that, I mean, I've said to few people also I'd, I'd love to know what Jürgen said to them just before they came out he's not one for lying down and you know, taking it obviously 3-1 to them in the first leg would have been okay we would have been a lot more optimistic but I think he got it into their heads that we had every reason to be optimistic anyway and then of course we had the problem with the injury problems Firmino and Salah and the general public is saying oh that's the end of that you know I put a post on Twitter, I think it was on Monday morning, say, look, we're missing Salah and Firmino, but we still have 11 on the pitch, and there won't be any slouches they put out there. My old granny used to say, it's 11 of us and 11 of them. I've seen a quote from Messi today, he said he, they weren't beaten by Liverpool, they were beaten by Van Dijk, he said, nobody can get past him, even me. That probably just about sums it up, but the, the whole team were just so fired up, it was it was just a joy to watch, and of course the killer punch was absolute piece of genius from Trent Alexander-Arnold. Oh, yeah. Again, it's one of those things you're just sitting there, and you're thinking, did I just see that? Did that actually happen? And yes, it did, and it was it was just wonderful the whole evening. But you know, they still make us sweat, even when we were four 0 up. They they had ten minutes to scrape a goal, and mm. we've been through that situation more than once. I mean, Napoli last October, November. We were beating them 1-0, and they they just had to scrape a goal. And then going all the way back to 2005 against Chelsea, they just had to scrape the ball over the net, the, the line, just once, and they were through. And we held on, held on, and held on. It was nerve-wracking, but by gum, it was worth it in the end. What do you think about, particularly for fans over here, George, if you've not been to Anfield before, I've been privileged enough to go a couple of times, and I know Rob has as well, and it's extraordinarily special, particularly under the night lights, but particularly mm. on a oh, European absolutely. night. What is it like when 
you just feel like that the the fans are in sync with the players and and you can almost this atmosphere is almost created around the stadium and it gets into the heads of the the opposition as much as it motivates players i mean what 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 in your mind what is that all about it's a weird thing i, I keep saying to people i have done for years if you've never actually been to anfield you have no idea what it's like to be inside the whole thing about the stadium going back years we've had a noisy crowd there but on nights like like tuesday the crowd were up for it the crowd got in a bit earlier than normal they were making a lot of noise i was playing all the loud stuff to get them singing um and then not far from kickoff i put on a layer layer lay and all of a sudden it, it was like somebody had turned the on switch they were all as one, and the, the singing of You Never Walk Alone was as loud as I've ever heard it. And, well, mind you, they did it twice, here before and after. Mm, yeah. I don't know if you got that bit yes, on we did. TV over there, but the after the game was, was even better. They were just, mm. you know, you've got 50-odd thousand people deliriously happy, all in the same building. It's an experience like no other, but the, the atmosphere on Tuesday night was... It was literally as good and as noisy as I've ever heard it. And again, I was I was losing it after the game. I, I said I've been I've been going to Anfield for 60 years this year, and I have never ever heard anything like it. I thought uh, the 2005 Chelsea semi-final was the, the best and as good as it was ever going to get, but Tuesday night surpassed it. And it, it's just one of those things. Everything fell into place. You know, the crowd were up for it. The Barcelona fans were very noisy and did their bit, and they were good as gold, and they were clapping our lot off at the end. They knew they'd been well beaten by a bunch of team. There were no particular controversies to write home about. There was not much... Yeah, there was a bit of uh, nastiness during the game, but nothing was going to spill over. We scored an early goal, which was what we really needed to do, and that gave us hope. What was it Stephen Gerrard said in... Uh, Istanbul, the first goal gave us hope, mm. the second goal gave us belief, and you know, obviously once we were in sight of the, of the equaliser, everything fell into place, you know, it just, uh, just worked out, and the fact that Robertson got injured, had to go off, and Wijnaldum came on and scored two goals, you know, he made, you know, he wouldn't have scored those two goals if Robertson was still on, it just, say everything, but everything fell into the right place on Tuesday night. It was like a jigsaw. Mm. You know, every piece was in the right place. And in the end, it did the trick. This is Box to Box on NTS, a news talk sport. We're talking to a, a legend of international football, the voice of uh, that great stadium, Anfield, George Sefton. And as you said, George, uh, I might mention it at least once every week, um, my little visit last year. But as you said, it, there is something there. I've been to sport all over the world. I've been to Olympic Games, Grand Finals. Uh, I've been to uh, Test Match Cricket uh, in um, you know, foreign been to countries. I haven't. You've invited me many times, Michael. How many times have invited you? Every one of the last five, I think, perhaps. Just so. thought I'd get that in. <laughs> but I can attest to that. So if you're saying that the atmosphere this week was even bigger and louder than what I experienced in that City yeah. quarterfinal last year, which was yeah. epic. And, you know, bearing in mind, as you know, George, uh, I was right in the middle of the cop. The cop just sucks the ball in, doesn't it? It's almost like it uh, it's sort of the, the, the collective crowd breathes in and it just gets that ball in and yeah, it's something special. You imagine somebody of my age, before I worked at Anfield, I used to stand on the cop. Yeah. 
uh, before it was all seater, obviously, and there were 28,000 of us crammed on there. And you can imagine what it was like then. I look back now, I wonder how on earth I got away with it week in, week out. He used to get crushed, crushed and crushed every week. I know uh, twice during my career standing on the cot before I worked for the club, I, I ended up with cracked ribs. Uh, but it, it's just part of the experience, you know, they turn into... I, I felt like I nearly broke my leg that night when yeah. the second uh, Salah goal went in. The, the crowd yeah. just went crazy and I just got pushed forward onto the seat and ended up with this yeah. big scar down my right shin, but uh, it was exquisite pain. You don't care, it's, it's no. battle scars, isn't it? You, think, you look at that scar and think, oh, I remember when that happened. Yes. And, uh, wasn't it great? George, it's uh, Dean here. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I want to take you back to 1977 when they won their first European Cup. Liverpool, Borussia, Mönchengladbach. That was most probably the one I remember really vividly. I, I remember Leeds playing two years earlier against Bayern Munich and getting done. Yeah, getting done two 0 Don't remember much about Bayern Munich against Saint-Étienne, but the Liverpool one. McDermott, 28th minute, Tommy Smith, yeah. and then uh, Phil Neal, penalty, and the boy Simmonson scored for them. But that was the start of then, you know, this crusade that Liverpool have had. And I'm a Derby fan, but I think watching those midweek games on the way to the final, you know, especially when uh, David Fairclough was coming in, <laughs> coming in yeah. a, a substitute, it makes you feel like they're your second team for a lot of people. And it certainly is mine. And I know my dad when he played for Forest, Birmingham and Derby at the Cup, and he said the number of times where you thought you cleared it and then the thing would just get sucked over the line. So <laughs> he said it was an unbelievable place to play. Well, everybody says that. I mean, it's weird. I mean, obviously, I get, I have to get to the ground very early. It's, it's like a cathedral when you go in. It's just so quiet. And then it, people start drifting in. And at some stage, as I say, boom, and the, the, the whole thing takes off it's it's a weird and wonderful animal a football crowd you know you can see it mutating into into what it, what it is by by kickoff time and then during the game and what it must be like to actually play down mm-hmm. there i can't imagine especially if you're you're a visiting player um mm-hmm. it must be so daunting and as you say 1977 of course was the watershed because when bill shankley came uh, 1959. We were a middle of the road second division team, and he, you know, he wanted to, to get to the stage when Liverpool were known in Europe when we were the kings of Europe. And then some of the locals just sort of laughed at him. And he was so dynamic and so focused, and he did all that. What we're doing now is a legacy of what he did in the 60s. You know, the, because the team he took over was a, a second-rate team. But he knew the potential, he knew the potential of the Liverpool crowd, the Liverpool fans, you know, the people of Merseyside, and he was spot on. And the Liverpool family, obviously, is a lot bigger now, it's worldwide. I mean, I'm, I'm sat here in my front room in Aintree, <laughs> Liverpool, talking to you in, uh, in Australia, uh, you know, which is surreal. Yeah. But it, it's where the world at the moment is wonderful. You know, you, it's not just a, a parochial thing anymore. It's a worldwide family. It's a growing family as well. It's wonderful. George, it's always a delight to talk to you. Um, you've got a big, big weekend. Uh, can yes. this week, it, it, it could potentially be capped off because there'll be fans yeah, uh, listening well, to the radio. we this week. Mm. One, you know, in 
uh, Liverpool on Tuesday, one yeah. in Amsterdam last night. So let's yeah. go for the hat trick, shall we? It's not, <laughs> it's not beyond the realms of possibility, and you know. If, uh, no, there's got, we feel like there's there's going to be so a, good if we get come finish this season with something. And George, silver. you've got an Australian goalkeeper. That's um, right, George. If you could give Matt Ryan a uh, a message, George, what would you say? <laughs> George, you uh, so do what you have to do. Do anything. Shoot them. I don't expect City to lose at Brighton, but I can see them drawing down there. Mm-hmm. And if they do that, you know the, the mood Liverpool are in, we shall you know, we trouble all over Wolves. Yes. I, I just as I say, there's got to be one more twist of this season. I'm, uh, I'm hoping that that's it. it. That'd be nice if I. Yeah, we got to the end of the game, and I was the one that had to announce that City had dropped points on Liverpool. <laughs> I think they might know by then, George. <laughs> hey, George, listen, we better let you go. Look forward okay, uh, to um, talking to you again next time, uh, when hopefully Liverpool will not only be the champions of Europe, but the champions of England as well. And uh, so um, you just enjoy Sunday, and, and thanks again for being so generous with your time. My pleasure. Nice George, to talk to you guys. As always, George Sefton, the voice of Anfield. Well, we're going to come back home. We're going to talk to uh, one of the boys from down SCG Way, uh, Brian Grant, Sydney FC. Big, big game to Big Blue on Sunday night playing at Jubilee Oval. Stick around because that's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, welcome back to Box to Box. And on Sunday evening, the Big Blue, Mark... Four this season. Fourth time I think they've played this year. Exactly. And Ryan Grant will They're be good at these games. Can't yeah, wait. We love them. In the middle of it against the Melbourne victory. Sydney FC looking for some uh, sweet retribution on their bitter enemy. Ryan, welcome back to Box to Box, mate. Thanks, boys. How are we? Mate, really, really good. And for a football man, I know we're going to get on to the main game, but you must have absolutely been loving this week watching football all over the world. Yeah, it's been a good couple of days. Hey, I'm actually a Liverpool fan, but... I cooked it and didn't get up and watch it, so I saw the the result once I got up and then had to watch the highlights. But, yeah, some crazy football the last couple of days. Absolutely sensational. Ryan, since we last had you on the show, you've made a comeback from your injury and you've uh, reached the stratospheric heights of representing the Socceroos at the Asian Cup. You've had a fabulous year. Um, Congratulations. I've got two sort of questions for you. First is, how's your leg and are you going to be right for the weekend? Yeah, the hemi's all good. It was just a uh, little bit of a a twinge last week and then, uh, I didn't want to take the risk with the, the massive travel to go to Asia, so stayed behind and got it good, and yeah, it's all hunky-dory now, ready to go. Well, we're looking forward to seeing you. Before we talk about, obviously, this weekend, I just want to reflect on Asian Champions League. I thought the club uh, gave it a massive crack. I thought you played collectively some fabulous football in the Asian Champions League. You're just a bit unlucky at different times through, and through the group phase, but I wanted to ask you, um, you as a player, how important is the Asian Champions League, and um, in the context of your season, um, what's it like managing the, you know, the the A League games with your Asian Champions League requirements, and um, how motivated was the group to do well in the Champions League? Yeah, well, super motivated. Obviously, it's always tough, especially this time of year, coming into semi-finals. It's always the question: Do you leave boys behind, or do you do you send boys uh, your full strength? So um, we we sent the, the strongest uh, team we had available, and I thought the boys did well. And like you said. It, the whole group stage, I think we played some really good footy and just got a bit luck- unlucky at times. I think we should have at least won two of those games, but it wasn't to be, so we, we sort of sucked. But we definitely go out there trying to win and trying to make an impact because 
as Sydney FC, as, as a club, we want to be the, one of the biggest clubs in Asia, so we, we plan on doing well in the Champions League. But this year, unfortunately, again, it just uh, things didn't go our way. But, um, yeah, we're very keen for it. I, mean, I know we're not on the, some of the same bonuses or pay packets yeah, for some, yeah. of the, some of the boys uh, around around Asia, but, um, no, we give it a good crack when we get the chance. So, Ryan, looking ahead to this weekend, it's a it's a massive game, and uh, look, no matter what way you slice it, the um, the, the the dominance that Sydney FC had uh, over the competition in the, the Graham Arnold years uh, wasn't fulfilled last year, and the bitter disappointment of of losing to uh, to victory in that extra time uh, match last year must have really stung. So, you know, fast forward 12 months, you got to, uh, the opportunity to uh, to set the the record straight, and this time. Uh, well, you've got a big, big hurdle to get over before you face the, the winner of the Perth-Adelaide uh, uh, game. So uh, are the boys talking about um, last year at all? I mean, I know the common sort of response in professional sport is to say, no, no, we're just looking ahead to this week's game. But surely it must be in the back of your mind. Yeah, I think it was going to be a proper cliche and say that. <laughs> not really. I yeah. think yeah, you good. obviously remember it. And, oh, lucky enough, oh, not lucky, but unlucky enough, I suppose. I, I didn't play in that game, so it's not like it's a, a personal revenge for me. But as a team, you, we know victory are always um, going to give us a good a good battle. We've seen the three games we've played this year have all been very tight um, and good games, and I think they, they bring the best out of us. So um, it's going to be another cracker, I reckon, for, for the neutral, and we're quietly confident that we can get it over them and then get our spot in the grand final where I think uh, we deserve to be. Right, and it's Dean here. Welcome again back to the show. Cheers, thank you, mate. Uh, now, I've just looked at the last five games, which is round uh, 24 this year, 16 and 5, and then the semi-final and the round 27 of last year. And every single game, and Victory just shaded it by one game, but every single game is only one goal difference. So you know, you know already going into this game it's going to be tight. How do um, how do how do you prepare as an individual and as a collective as a, a playing group, knowing that generally you know you you want to play on the front foot, but you're always mindful of you know either make either make, making a mistake and then tightening up, or do the boys just keep rallying just to be positive all the time? Yeah, well, well I didn't know that stat, but I know that the, the the games are always very close, so it doesn't surprise me to hear that. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things that. You want to start well because you know they'll be quite physical and uh, want to get in our face. So we've known that for the last couple of years. That's how they approach the game. So we, we tend to do the same and get stuck in early. And it's, again, very cliche, but start really well and, uh, and get on the front foot because um, once we can we can dictate the play, we know that we've got some great players that can can make some things happen and, and score some great goals. But for us, especially as a fullback, for me, I know if I um, get forward and make a mistake that um, Barbarouss is very quick and um, sort of hangs behind and uh, can capitalise on that. So it's, yeah, it's sort of a catch-22. How much do you want to go forward and um, be part of the play and, and build up to, to goals, I suppose? Or do you sort of sit back and, and make sure you, you sort of cover him? So, it's yeah, it's a, a, a difficult one. But, yeah, we're just going to play our natural game. I don't think it will change too much. We've played the same way all year and, and even for the last couple of years. So we'll continue to do that and, and focus on ourselves, I suppose. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're very excited about this weekend's preliminary finals in the A-League. We're talking to a man right in the thick of it, Sydney FC's Ryan Grant. Yeah, Granty. Also, just on uh, Bimby, obviously it's his first year and first finals as the gaffer. Um, obviously, you, you should never com- 
pair, you know, Arnie with Bimby. I mean, they worked very closely together for many years, and obviously he took over the reins. But how, how's he been handling it, and 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 his approach as opposed to possibly the way uh, Graham would have approached a, a, a final series? Is it pretty similar? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty pretty much the same. I think not a lot changed in the way we sort of played and, and approached games and, and the scheduling. Everything was pretty similar um, because obviously we were quite successful. So Bimby being around the club and, and witnessing all that, he, he took it all on board and um, not much has changed. But then again, he, he has his own little mark um, on games. He's not as vocal or loud as Arnie is. I'm, I'm not <laughs> and I don't cop a gobful every, every time I'm going up this thing. But um, yeah, he sort of... Uh, Speaks to players a little bit different and approaches the game on a personal level a little bit different, which I think works very well this season. Also, I think for his first year for us to, to play so well and finish second, it's, it's a credit to him to, to sort of continue that momentum that we've had the last couple of years. So um, yeah, he's, he's great. I've known Bimmy for a long time, and I think he's um, come into the head role, the head job role, um, very well. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked he's, he's hanging around. Um, Granny, just a, a comment on Sim De Jong. Obviously, we haven't uh, seen him a lot this year because of he's been uh, in and out of the team with, with injury. But obviously, you see him at training. Sydney FC's had some wonderful internationals. Where do you rate Sim in terms of just his pure quality? Uh, obviously, we've we've missed uh, seeing him a, a few games because of the the injuries. But just in and around training, um, you would obviously have a, have a great handle. How do you rate Sim in terms of in comparison to some of the other internationals that have been at the club? up there he's, he's a freak uh, if he, when he stays fit and um, he's, he's rare and he's um, yeah he's finishing and the way he beats players is yeah definitely up there with, with some of the best I've seen so um, to have him fit and ready and he's, he stay behind from, from Asia so he will be um, good as gold uh, come the weekend it's uh, going to be frightening uh, to see what he can do so um yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my brain who, who I've seen at the club, but he's definitely obviously the, there. Obviously, Bobo, they're very different players. I mean, Bobo is more of a target manager. But, um, you know, but yeah, obviously, um, the Merjewski, the, the Polish boy, uh, I mean, they're the ones that come to mind straight away. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, obviously, they're the most recent in my memory, too. So I think as a finisher, Bobo was just had a great knack and a great instinct to, to be in the right place at the right time and, and could find the back back of the net um, pretty easily but with Sim um, something is, is finishing from outside the box and, <laughs> um, yeah it's pretty it's pretty freaky he hasn't played as much as he would have liked I suppose or we would have liked but when uh, he has I think he's shown that class and seeing him every day in training you definitely see it so yeah he's, he's definitely a freak Hey Ryan, uh, we have seen a lot of international football this week, but um, this is the top shelf in so far as Australian football is concerned. It's a Sunday night game. It's at a suburban ground, Jubilee Oval, which has got a great deck, uh, which uh, should produce a fabulous football match. We uh, wish you luck in it, mate, and uh, we'll be sitting uh, uh, at home uh, down here in Melbourne watching the game, but um, hopefully it'll be an absolutely packed house rocking the place and uh, and uh, entertaining us all. So, so good luck on uh, Sunday evening, mate. Thank you very much, boys. Ryan Grant, Sydney FC, big, big match on Sunday and night. What a year he's had. I mean, representing mm. all the way and made a very big contribution to the yeah. Socceroos, didn't he? So uh, mm. in the Asian Cup, so well done to Ryan. Yeah, yeah beauty. More A-League after the break with Dino. We're going to go through both games and, and line up uh, uh, both sides and just work out who we think is going to play in the grand final in a week and a bit's time. Next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. 
A nice yarn with uh, a country boy, Ryan Grant. Um, exciting weekend. Did you believe him that his leg's okay? Had a hammy. He sounded convincing. He did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah, look, he he seems a pretty honest lad to me. I mean, I've met him a few times. um, The only risk of it is if it's not quite right and he hurts it again, he won't play in the final. Final, exactly. So it's always a yeah. If he misses, he could play. It's a gamble. What would you do? I suppose we don't know the extent of the injury, but um, Mm. it didn't look good. Yeah. Yeah, Well, if he's injured, you don't play soft tissue, do you? You Mm. You just can't. So just before we get into the games, we we talked about it last week. Flagged the chance that if City lost, that it could cost Warren Joyce's career. I know we've already talked about it a little bit tonight. Well, Dino but, didn't uh, like what I no, said no, off he, the top he, of the show. He didn't, but 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 unfortunately, I think he was the author of his own demise because he, that that five nil result was unnecessary, um, and uh, they they would have been. Look, they they could have won that game. I mean, it did take till extra time, didn't it? It was a ripping strike that uh, that eventually knocked them out, but. Um, it didn't have to be that way. Yeah, it. Um, so Warren Joyce. Yeah, look, you, I mean, you, you want to take issue with what I said off the top no, of the show? No, I just. I, I just, thought he was boring, I, and I thought he lacked imagination and wasn't entertaining. Um, and that, that might be the case, but he's got had a fourth place finish and a sixth place finish in the two seasons he's had. Sixth place out of ten teams. Yeah, well, it is what it is. I mean, he only got finals. You've got to qualify for that, and and he did that. Um, I think more importantly, uh, there's an abundance of young talent that he's brought onto the scene. I, I know, know Azani was the, the start, but he wasn't there. Then. City, he gave them... Melbourne City have given an opportunity to young players that other clubs haven't. They haven't, and and that yeah. is part for me of what the City Group should be doing. Well, as, and as, that as, is part as, of their brief. Yeah. It is part of their brief. So, so I think he's so ticked that. that mandate. I think he's he's got the dressing room in the sense of. There was a lot of times before his arrival that the, there was talk that the players used to run the dressing room. Can't have the tail wagging the dog. Once you get that, you're not going to win anything. So it is what it is. Um, but don't sign but, Tim Cahill and then not play him. I mean, that's... no, no. And, but again, did he sign Tim Cahill? I don't think he did. So there, there you go. So there, so there. In it's you can already, you've already answered one question. There, you put a manager in a position he doesn't want to be in, and then he has to deal with I it. I didn't do that. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, you have to deal with it. Yeah. You can. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah. Um, so anyway. shoot Bambi. But look, um, for me, um, yeah, look. Perth Glory and Adelaide United Friday night at. Um, over there at Perth at uh, the fantastic stadium that will have the shed will be rocking HBF Park in Perth. Perth, but Perth, Perth will be remembering what happened to Sydney FC after Absolutely. an all-conquering season will, last yeah. year, and Tony Popovich will be reminding them there will be no complacency. Well, the form the form guide in this is that Perth have won the two games two nil, and the other game was a nil nil mm. draw. So. Adelaide are behind the eight ball in this season's, you know, uh, reckonings from the games that they've played against each other. Um, but of late, Adelaide have been pretty good. There was a stage with about four games to go that there was talk. Like, I was actually wanting them to finish seventh because it helped me in, in my tipping. Mm. Um, but they went on a run and they, they turned it around. So Just on the teams, on the squads, um, everybody's available at Perth. Um, they've dropped Christian Popovich out of the squad. Yep. 
Alex Grant, he's uh, out with um, some illness. He's got, look, can I just talk about that? I like that. That's the gaffer dropping the sun. Not a problem. It's business. I've got yeah, to get on with it. We've got to win that, this game. That's what you call a manager. That's right. But we know we, we all love uh, Popper. Adelaide United, the only unavailable player is Ken Ilso from suspension, but and everybody else is available, including uh, Jordan Elsie. But uh, one thing that I note about Adelaide, Adelaide is that um, when Bubba Diawara came onto the pitch, yep. It gave them something that they haven't had previously. They're able to release uh, Halloran. Yep. So Goodwin and Halloran are able to go a little deeper. Um, they, they're, they're ghosting runs and they're able to play a bit wider. So I actually liked it. And um, it will be a bit different for Perth to, to come against. Because they actually I don't know do... whether DOR will start, but he'll he, he'll make an impact at, at some point. Well, that could game. be good because obviously, you, as you know, both both on the wide left and on the wide right for Perth, they're always going forward That's and right. joining in. Yeah. You know, with Dave O. Mm. Uh, so they might be able to get him on the counter. Yeah. And, um, and and I, I do think that uh, Halloran's better as a wide player than playing in the nine. So that that means Adelaide's a bit different. But I can't see them getting anywhere near Perth. No. For me, Perth at home, uh, the crowd, as you say, is going to be rocking. The shed um, will be a rockin'. Blaine uh, Treadgold will have the shed cranked like you wouldn't believe. No, I'm going definitely Perth Glory to win. Rob? Yeah, Perth Glory to win. I think Adelaide will be uh, competitive. I think Marco Kurtz has done incredible he work. He has done a good uh, job, under, especially in, under that. Exactly, yeah, under all sorts of pressure. Um, look, um, Goodwin might um, have a say. He's been incredible all year. He's probably been Could Marco Kurtz player. turn up at Melbourne City? Got, I've got uh, no inside information. No. It's just a throw I, The only thing I heard is he was going back to Europe, but that doesn't mean... You know, there's, there's always a door. I like Marco Kurtz. Yeah, he's been well. entertaining. Yeah. At least mm. he's entertaining. He was passionate last week, wasn't he? He was good. Yeah. I, I love the response. Yeah. Yeah. I love the response yeah. he gives on the side, on the yeah, pitch. Yeah, I think so. All four of us, Perth through to their uh, Sydney the FC play Melbourne victory on Sunday. I'll give you the form guide mm. on, on the that. rugby league pitch. We've... Better good pitch, better than the SCG, as we are well I know. In, in the last mm. five games they've played against each other from round 27 last year, Sydney won. Nil victors. Then in the semi final, the big turnaround where they get turned over and get beat 2 3. And then this year in round five, they go up to Sydney and win 2 1 victory. And then in round 16, victory beat Sydney FC at home 2 1. And then recently in round 24, Sydney's returned the favour back and it was back to 2 1 to Sydney FC. So not an awful lot in this. One goal in every game. This is going to go right to the wire, if not extra time. Sydney FC had mm. a difficult uh, away trip during the week, Asian mm. Champions League. Um, they took all of their uh, good plays apart from, obviously, Ryan Grant and Sim De Jong because they still were in the hunt of getting mm. through. They lost mm. a close game, 1-0. Melbourne victory, I thought, had last week were the best they'd been for six, seven weeks. Uh, in the A-League I'm talking about. Yep. They, they took a, a B team away to uh, their Champions League fixture. But um, uh, Corey Brown and James Cherissi promoted to the squad for Melbourne victory. I don't think Cherissi will play because of the hamstring. It won't have recovered in time. I might be wrong, but I don't think he will. In terms of Sydney FC, um, Calver, Zullo, uh, Retray, uh, Brosk, Caceres and Sim De Jong are all... Uh, promoted into the squad, uh, returning from injuries and promotion. Yop van der Linden has not been selected. Mitch Austin has been dropped. Cam Devlin not selected. Uh, Luke Ivanovic not selected. They join Warland, Bahajar and Zavala, who are all unavailable. So um, Sydney really at um, are going to be uh, at full strength, you would think. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Grant is a question mark. I just don't know uh, whether Sydney 
whether Sydney uh, will be impacted by their trip away, where Melbourne might not. Yeah, it could be. Could it be gut-wrenching for them to lose on twice. their own home turf? Again. Twice, yeah. I'm going to be bold. Um, Who's got the best, better international players? I think Melbourne does. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. And Honda and Twinnie. I'll tell you what, you've just yeah, seen Niedermeyer you. came back beautifully though. Yeah. That, uh, you know, Sim De Jong is the wild card in here. Um if they don't if Ryan Grant doesn't play, they lose a lot. Victory okay. for me. Melbourne oh. victory for me. Sydney FC for me. Okay. All right, gentlemen, we're going to find out next week. Uh, I think that will be an epic game, the Big Blue. It will be uh, an absolutely titanic struggle. But in the next hour, we are going to spend some extended time reflecting on the promotion and relegation with Derek Dyson. Derek's going to pop back into the studio. We're going to go through all the Champions League, and then we're going to spend a special edition of Stoppage Time dissecting the permutations of this weekend and whether Brighton and Matty Ryan can be the heroes. Stick around because that's all next after the break on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage moving Absolutely What a ripper of a style that was. George Sefton, I could listen to him all night. Just the memories. You were drooling, Rob. Oh, mate. You were drooling. You yeah. loved it so much. Well, it just takes me back, you know. I have mentioned I've been there. Anyway, Ryan Grant, he's fabulous. Takes the boy you back from to the cop, doesn't it? Eh? It 100% does. Um, and uh, and Derek, it was great to have Derek um, in earlier as well. We're going to bring Derek on again after the break and, and chat about and Ryan Grant. And relegation. Yeah, it was Ryan. Yeah, yeah, no, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, he uh, just needs to cut that mullet off, doesn't he? No, Rob? he doesn't. And big, it's part of his stylish. personality, no, isn't it, Willem? You so would, you would, if, if you were the coach of Sydney FC, you wouldn't ask him to cut his mullet, would no, you? No, I wouldn't. I'd grow on myself if I could. His name's not Samson, guy. Fair enough. What about Uncle Rob over there? He's a little bit unhappy about uh, Ryan's mullet. Please move on. Next. <laughs> Socceroos and Matilda Central for the Green and Gold Army support the Oliroos in Thailand as they attempt to qualify for the 2020 Olympics with the Green and Gold Army. Next January, you can uh, go to Thailand, have the time of your life in Thailand. Are you Thailand? already distributing the Support. exciting supporter packs just like the for ones the, you sent out to the World yep. Cup? Got all the scarves and, and everything in yeah, the back. they turned up at your house, did they, Rob? You did. You Thanks sent to the nice fine one. work of Dean Hennessy. Absolutely. Does well, a good well, job. Uh, D&D oh. mailing, just, uh, <laughs> just a little plug for the voice. <laughs> yeah. well, we all keep it in house here. We just want big family. We'll start in Spain in the Primera Feminia division where Alex Chidiak's Atletico Madrid claim the league title. Chidiak wasn't involved in the 3-1 win over Real Sociedad, which clinched the title, but with 19 appearances and three goals across the campaign, she played a big part in the success. Over to the US, Claire Polkinghorne and Alana Kennedy put in full shifts for Houston and Orlando respectively as the two sides met. Emily Van Egmont played 68 minutes for Orlando as well, but it was Houston who took the chocolates 1-0. Willem, I guess, uh, I don't know uh, what you've got next on the news there, but um, Hayley Rasso having visa problems, hasn't been able to play, has been in and out of America trying to get that resolved so mm. she can play for Portland. And the big news was Kai Simon injuring her hamstring means that she would have to be a huge question mark. She's played 14 minutes of football in the last eight mm. months and... Um, yeah, huge question mark whether she can get up for the World Cup. And in more troubling news for the Matildas, first choice keeper Lydia Williams was dropped to the bench by Rain FC, while at least Kellen Knight came off it on 72 minutes. Tom Rogic laid off an assist to help Celtic secure their eighth successive league title, playing the full 90 minutes as he nears full fitness. 
There's been talk of Rogic joining former boss Brendan Rogers at Leicester, mm. while Southampton are also reportedly keen. That'll make Brendan Rogers even more um, popular at Celtic, won't it? Oh, I'd love to see Tom Rogic in the Premier League. I mm. just would love. I think he would. It would be good you think for he'd him. Really flourish and... oh, I just think he would improve. Full mm. stop. Got to, wouldn't he? Leicester's probably the right club for him Playing as well. A, in, yeah, exactly. Playing it. Yeah, that's right. You want him to go to a club where, where he will get some time. Oh, Willem, what do you think? Out of every game they play in Scotland, Scottish Premier League, he probably gets one competitive game every month. Yeah, not enough. Versus the Premier League, he's going to get mm. it every week. I think it would be perfect, though. Rogers likes yeah. him. They're probably not going to get relegated, so they wouldn't bail out on the experiment. He can just sit in number 10 and just feed Jamie Vardy. Um, the conclusion of the championship good, doesn't it? Yeah. regular season <laughs> has ended the season for a number of Aussies, with Jackson Irvine finding the score sheet as Hull drew one all with Bailey Wright's Bristol. Key soccerer Matt Leckie claims an assist for Hertha Berlin in their 3-1 win over Stuttgart. And finally, Paul Giannou scored Lanaka's goal in their draw with NEA Salamis. Is that the artist formerly known as Apostolos? Apostolos. Yeah, we, 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 we're going to call him Paul from, now on. Paul from now on. Because on this when he played for South Melbourne, he was named Paul. What's been dubbed the greatest Champions League ever will be decided by an all-English final, with Liverpool and Tottenham set to face off in Madrid. Liverpool overhauled a 3-0 Barcelona advantage at Anfield, with doubles from Jorginho Wijnaldum and Divock Origi tearing down the Barcelona defence. It was Origi's second when Trent Alexander-Arnold whipped in a corner when most of Barca's side weren't even looking, which sealed the deal for the Reds. Here's Martin Tyler. We can take it quickly! Oh, wonderful thinking, Origi! Brilliant! Absolutely brilliant from Liverpool and for Barcelona, chaotic, catastrophic and it's four and they do lead now, not just on the night but on aggregate. And in Amsterdam, a second half, Lucas Moura hat-trick brutally cut short Ajax's dreams of glory, propelling Tottenham into their first Champions League final. Ajax looked to have sealed the tie with two first half goals but the rampant Spurs would not lie down. Comes to Deli Alley, through to Lucas Moura! Lucas Moura has fired Spurs through to Madrid to the Champions League final. Ajax captain Matthias Delete has described the second half of the match as a nightmare, like a bad dream, or like a dream that went bad. It's a real shame they won't play in the final, but Ajax for mine have been just about the story of the competition. We'll mm-hmm. look back on this team as they all graduate. Yeah, part of me, players. part of me wanted to see them go through and just see what those young boys. For sure, were you know, they, they were super, and, and they were super yeah. in the first half. I mean, they, they were incredible in the first half. I thought just something on the first half. Did you see their faces as they're walking off? They were pretty happy when the, the game was won. Yeah. Mm. They were laughing, yeah, smiling, and the game's yeah. done. There was, but they were, that's a young team. That's a young team. Yeah, and, and that's, that's up to the coach team. at half-time to grab them in the headlock. And, and obviously couldn't do it because no, it that's turned right. pretty quick. Well, what's, um, I mean, in all of that, first of all, um, super work by the, the two commentators, Martin Tyler, <laughs> unbelievable, and, um, you know, just... I just thought that the, the, the I was listening to uh, Talk Sport um, yeah. uh, Jim Proudfoot. Uh, if you get the chance to listen to his commentary at the um, the end of the uh, Spurs um, Ajax game, it was incredible because to deliver under the pressure of that yeah, emotion and, to describe and just, the, that's it. Just, the, as you yeah, say, describe it. Paint the picture. Hit, that's right. Hit that Shane Healy would say. Um, paint the picture. The uh, yeah, the the artistry of commentary particularly with the English commentators. Uh, I know we've had some good commentators over, over the years, but um, I think we've got a lot to learn from uh, from the, the UK, not, not just in football, but um, in just about every sport, just quietly. FIFA have partially upheld Chelsea's transfer ban, which will see the London club banned from signing senior players for the next two transfer windows. Chelsea was sanctioned in relations to 29 cases of signing and transferring international players under the age of 18. Chelsea had intended to appeal, but were informed the ban wouldn't be delayed while that hearing was heard, meaning they couldn't really appeal at all. 
Chelsea have been fined 842,000 Australian and were said to be astonished by the response. Oddly, they are still allowed to sign and transfer players under the age of 18, which was uh, the problem in the first place. What okay. The European law comes into that stuff and it's a very complex situation. I know the Premier League spends millions and millions of dollars trying to uh, ext- ext- extrapolate uh, understandings for its clubs uh, in European law. However, that um, is all very interesting in the context of Brexit too. What's going to happen to work permits mm. in England? Yeah, uh, passports as well. Yeah, so it's a, it's a bit of a um, watch this space, but uh, Chelsea doing the wrong thing. They were doing the wrong thing there. They've got to cop their right whack. They need to hold their players. They can't... Uh, I know some of them are on the way out, aren't they? But uh, they need to hold those senior players yeah, for another Hazard. year. Mm. Staying with Chelsea, manager Maurizio Sarri has stated he intends to stay in England long-term, despite rumours Roma are preparing to offer him a deal. Sarri looked gone as Chelsea manager just a couple of months ago, but since the Kepa Arazabalaga debacle during the League Cup final, he's quietly achieved some success. They're currently third in the league. They made that Cup final and are still in the hunt for the Europa League. I think mm. it's been quite... The, guaranteed champions. The, the quiet revival under Surrey. Certainly mm. has. The Durry Well, smoke. I mean, it, it is a quiet revival because the focus has been on Liverpool and Manchester City, but they've just mm. been going about their business, haven't they? They have. Back locally, Graham Arnold has singled out four young players as possible selections for the Socceroos. Australia are set to play Korea Republic in Busan on the 7th of June. Tommy Deng, Riley McGree, Nathaniel Atkinson and Harry Sutar were named by Arnold as possible selections, with senior Socceroos expected to be given a rest this camp. Sutar is a 20-year-old central defender on the books of Stoke City. It's said that he impressed Arnold during the recent Oli Roos camp. Are you guys happy for um, some of the senior players to be taking a break after a, a pretty hectic season? Yeah, Off. definitely. Mm. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I've been to Busan and just quietly. It's probably not a bad one to miss. But, uh, <laughs> a and to all town. our Busan listeners, um, yeah, Willem won't be going there. Wait, what time of year did you go to Busan? Yeah, I went when it was cold. Even the locals rookie are saying, era, what are you doing? Rookie era. Frank Ribery is departing by Munich and he's teased A-League fans by asking why not when asked if he would link up with good friend Marcus Babel. However, another of his close friends, William Gallas, has poured cold water on the idea. I'm not sure the league will be something he would that would really appeal to him, said Gallas. <laughs> with the other options he has, I just don't see him coming to the A-League. Now, William, just because you rocked up to the A-League, fat, unfit, disinterested... Conceded a shocking own goal and ran away. I don't think you need to be in Ribery's ear. Willem Denendender and comments. Not I like it. Coming in off the long run. Well done. You speak on all our behalf. Do you reckon he wants to just come out here and eat kangaroo? <laughs> well, I think that's what Gallus was doing. Yeah. Um, United States legend Hope Solo has declared France posed the biggest threat to the US, retaining their Women's World Cup crown. Solo was named goalkeeper of the year for the past two Women's World Cups and stated she believes the French play the best football, but that the US's experience may see them go back to back. If they play their best football, they will win, but there is not a lot of experience in the French team, she said. I think the USA are holding all the cards to go back-to-back. Yeah, I think Hope needs to have a chat to her father um, and uh, fly off on the Millennium Falcon uh, (laughs) (laughs) and and, and consider that there's a few other chances in that World Cup. You could say a few things about that. I'm leaving that well alone. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, look at what I'm not leaving well alone is a hell of a lot more talking about what's happened this week. Uh, We've got our mate Derek Dyson. He's in from... ITN in the UK, lives in Australia now, works for uh, WTFN, a television production company here, but uh, he is an absolute um, walking, talking encyclopedia on football, and we're going to break down some of the promotion relegation stories of um, of, of the uh, the European and particularly uh, UK football, and then he's going to stick around as we uh, we break through, break down even the rest of the European stories. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you the Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all 
Yes, welcome back to Box to Box. Now, all over Australia there are football fans born and bred in this country, um, but there's also a lot of imports, people who started their lives out in various countries around the world and have for one reason or another found themselves in this country. Unfortunately, we are not the epicentre of the world of football, but when they talk football, it feels like they are. And our next guest, he was with us uh, a month or two ago. Um, he uh, has had a, a great career in television in the UK, and he's working in that same industry in Australia. Derek Dyson, welcome back. You we joined us with George Sefton at the uh, at the beginning of the show, but um, it's good to have you back in, mate. Oh, thank you very much, and what a what a week to be back in. It has been, hasn't it, mate? I mean, yeah. do you, you've come and you've lived in Australia for a few years now, but um, but at really just at the right time because, uh, you know, I've, I was talking to someone recently about uh, just what it takes and the expense um, of of being um, forced to outlay numerous um, uh, different um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for contracts with different companies, BT Sports, etc., yeah. to, to get the Premier League, the Champions League, whereas in Australia, you you know, you know don't have to really spend that much. You can mm-hmm. buy a small Fox Sports package. Uh, you can get Optus Sports and watch it all. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't think you're ever too far away from the action here. There's mm-hmm. plenty of ways to consume it. I am still a bit of a traditionalist, and mm-hmm. I I listen to the, the radio like you mm-hmm. do in the mm-hmm. UK. I've got a VPN on my phone, and... Mm-hmm. When I'm driving into work in the morning, I listen to the last half an hour of the Liverpool game. The last so half you're not an getting jail blocked um, on on any of it. As no, well. there are ways that you can get around that, mm. and it's about fifteen dollars a month, and it's very mm. possible. Good on you, Derek. We should we should actually put that on our website so everyone can do that. <laughs> <laughs> not that we will, but we should. Yeah, yeah. Well, Probably well, not allowed to, but well done, Derek. But uh, we're here. We're going to. Um, talk to you about uh, you know the promotion and relegation stories because there's always so many great stories isn't there and uh, there's nothing like uh, watching like we did last Sunday night the the championship um, final round all synchronized and uh, and what we've got to look forward to this weekend with the playoff start hello John Beckett uh, I promised I would say hello because he was talking to me all the way through the championship mm. game uh, he was obviously talking to Dean as well he wasn't very happy with Derby's result no, but we, we but we've got the big stories and and obviously the Premier League, uh, you know that final round. So so working through, we we know who the the sides that are that are that are going down are, are going to be, uh, and um and and we know two of the um the three sides that are going up from the Championship. Yeah, that's right. So really, the big talking points in the Premier League this weekend, obviously, who is going to win the Premier mm-hmm. League? It goes down to the final game of the season, I think, for the eighth time. Mm. Uh, in its history, obviously, you've had the very famous ones like Aguero mm. um, five or six years ago for City. Um, Manchester United and Arsenal have done it a couple of times on, on the last day as well. So, you know, a lot of the other European leagues are actually all done and dusted, dusted now. Yeah. Very mm. uncompetitive in terms of who's mm. going to win the title, but the, the English Premier League. And I was saying to you know, Rob this week, you know, the bar has been raised again. I mean, it's an extraordinary that a team will get 97 points and potentially mm. not win the league. Uh, every other season, apart from last season, that would be enough to win the league. Mm. It's more than the Arsenal Invincibles of 2004, more than Manchester United in 1999. So Liverpool and Manchester City, probably by being so competitive, have risen at the standard of the league. And in a way, like two boxers, if you like your boxing, really raising each other's game mm-hmm. week on week. And they keep, you know, Liverpool have keep putting that mantle down. And you've got to give it to City. I know that 
the beautiful narrative is for a Liverpool victory. It is. And, and, I, and I personally would like to see that. Um, but City have been dead-eye. They haven't lost a game since January. And one of the points you're making to me was that they keep on having to come from behind. Um, yeah, Liverpool behind, are, yeah. are consistently have been playing ahead of them and mm. getting ahead, and they've had to bot, not bottle it and um, and get the result. Every week. And City have found a way of winning those matches. As I said, they haven't Vincent lost since. Company. I mean, know. I mentioned that off the top of the show. I know. In, in, in any other week, that goal that he yeah. scored would have been the, the headline of the, the whole week. But it's just like, it's just off in the distance and now. Apparently, considering... Pep Guardiola, he admitted that he was on the sideline saying, don't shoot, Vinny, don't shoot. <laughs> Oh, look, and, and look, uh, I can't see Man City um, not winning. So, so let's so, let's we're going to talk yeah. more of um, of of the um, our expectations of that game, but let's let's look at the the, the mm. bottom end because uh, uh, the teams that are going down, unfortunately, Fulham just up and down in mm. in short order. Huddersfield had a couple of uh, seasons um, to uh, to enjoy the top flight. Uh, you know, it's um, it's you know, they're always sad stories, but there's um, there's parachute money there as well for for these clubs to to get um, uh, their feet uh, back on their feet. And uh, Neil Warnock, uh, unfortunately, would have hoped that Cardiff City could have um, sorted something out there, but they didn't. Yeah, well, look, I think Huddersfield and and Fulham are diametrically opposite teams. Huddersfield didn't invest in their team last season, managed to stay up by being the fourth worst team in the league last year luckily there were three teams worse than them and you always felt that they weren't going to repeat the tricky game this year but they're a really well-run club uh, I've got lots of friends who support Huddersfield and and it's just a dream for them to be there mm. with Fulham you know they actually spent a lot of money this season they've got something like three goalkeepers they've got a, a, a galaxy of stars on the pitch Schurler a, a former World Cup winner and they didn't get any continuity in their team. They sacked their manager quite early in the season. They've had three managers mm. already. In fact, funnily enough, their form's actually picked up. You know, mm. so Huddersfield are at the bottom, possibly one of the, the lowest points totals in, in, in Premier League history. Apart from Derby's. Apart from yeah. Derby's, sorry to say that. Um, Cardiff City almost did a bit of a Huddersfield this season because they came up not very fancied. Uh, I You can't get away from the Salah story, to be honest with you, that's kind of defined their season mm. in a way, you know, what would have been if they'd brought in a world class striker, would yeah. that have been worth the points? And, you know, it kind of galvanized the team for a little yeah. while, but mm. ultimately I just don't think they had that quality and the teams that have pulled away, the Newcastles, the Southamptons, and ultimately the Brightons, you've got to look mm. at those teams and go, they are just better teams. Mm. The Premier League will be better having them in it next season. Yeah, so the uh, the teams from the championship that are, that are coming up, we've seen the incredible story of Wolves this year, and um, and we're going to see uh, the likes of, of Norwich, and we had uh, Dougie Hodgson on last week, uh, Sheffield United legend. Uh, you know, last time Norwich were in the top flight, they, they didn't do a lot, they... They were there, thereabouts in the middle of the table for a little while and then just tailed right off. Uh, um, for some, it's just a big surprise that they bounced back so quickly. Well, it's um, another German manager, isn't it? Mm. Maurizio Dortmund seemed to just be producing this kind of finishing school of, 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 of managers. So he's obviously had a lot, of impact, a lot of impact there. And they've been top most of the season. Norwich, I think, are known for playing a kind of attacking Cavalier brand of football. And that can work in the championship and on the other hand you know Sheffield United they've just gritted it out that's the least glamorous team and club you know a wonderful uh, historic yeah. or a historic club but 
Billy Sharper at the age of 33 is the, the club captain, a Sheffield lad. I mean, that's just, um, you know, it's the stuff of dreams, really. And he was one of the top goal scorers in the league in, in, in the season. I think uh, Billy ended up with, I can just tell you now, 23 goals. But it was that uh, Timmy Pukki, the one who scored all the goals mm-hmm. for Norwich on 29. Yeah. So they'll add, they'll add different things to the Premier League next season. I think there'll be a lot of teams that won't want to go to a cold, wet night in Sheffield. Uh, and I think Norwich might surprise people with their, their brand of football. What about the manager? The the fact that he's won in, in the National League, the second division, the first division, and now the championship to get promoted to all of those top leagues? I think it just goes to show that, you know, you, you can... Um, you can have a manager start in the lower leagues and it's good to put faith in those players. We'll probably, those managers, sorry, we'll go on to talk about maybe Sol Campbell a little later at Macclesfield in Division 2 and he took them when they were bottom and he literally said, um, I had to start from the very bottom, literally. And you just hope that managers like that that do prove their worth. And that we had we had Harry Kuhl, uh, obviously go on that same type of journey. I know mm-hmm. he had the Crawley experience, but then mm-hmm. obviously Notts County, and sadly that was a club I grew up at. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, we'll come to that because that's. So so going down from the Championship of Rotherham, Bolton, and Ipswich. So coming up from uh, from League One. Yeah, well, there's Luton and Barnsley have come up, and they've they've both had very good seasons. They've been up yeah. there most of the most of the time. And lost their manager as well, Luton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and Barnsley obviously have formed a Premier League team, you know, as well back in the day. So they're back up in in the Championships, and the playoffs there are lining up to be really interesting. There's some big teams in there: Portsmouth and Sunderland, Sunderland. and Charlton. <laughs> Portsmouth and Sunderland, of course, already played each other in a major in final cup, yeah. this season. And, uh, yeah, it's, and Peterborough are missing out by one point as well. And if you look at mm. all of the league tables, there's a team that's been missed out uh, on the playoffs by one point mm. each time. And it just shows the brutality of that system in a way that you can have a really good season. It's Middlesbrough in the championship. It is, yeah. Peterborough in the first, in the first division. Uh, I think there was another in the second division. I think in the 70th minute on Sunday, Middlesbrough were actually in that spot. Yeah, that's until right. Derby turned it around. Yeah, and uh, our mate Gary Bowyer um, um, going down, but he's got the contract. Um... Two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the, the, straight away they got 13,000 uh, season ticket holders back in, even for that, you know, going down. So obviously that was positive for Gary. Going down into League One as well, obviously, you've got, you know, Bolton Wanderers. That's a terrible, terribly sad story. Uh, I spent a lot of time watching Bolton as a Premier League team uh, as an Arsenal season ticket holder. And obviously, when you think about, you know, the players they had and the managers they had, you know, Sam Allardyce, Yuri Djurkaev was a player there. They they announced they were going into administration today and that Mm. was the plan. What about the winger? The black black wing. Oh, um, yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah, JJ. JJ, oh, yeah. I used to love watching and him. Ivan Campo. Campo. He's got yeah. so got so bad at Bolton that they can't afford to pay their players or their staff. The PFA apparently are having to pay some of the the, the wages there. They can't even afford cable in the stadium for people to watch the TV. Mm. So people are having to watch soaps like EastEnders and Coronation <laughs> Street at the game. So it's a real. Sad stay, uh, tale, and look, we we thought that the kind of rules and regulations around 
ownership of clubs and the running of clubs would would stop stuff like this from happening like like a Leeds United or yeah. whatever so um no it's a sad story so um the league two are coming up um uh, some good stories and even as we speak we'll concede that uh, some of those playoffs are being played um overnight so uh um, so those, um, some of those results will be coming through even as we speak between so Newport County, Mansfield Town and Tranmere Rovers, Forest Green Rovers. But going up, um, of course, uh, Lincoln City and Bury. Bury and, and Kane Don. That's yeah. Brooks' team. <laughs> Well, it's going to be a huge weekend, uh, not only for Premier League, but we've got the playoffs of the championships and, the, and all of those stories. Uh, there's uh, there's just some great um, theatre comes out of all that, doesn't there? So, so look, we'll we'll wrap that up now. But Derek, you stick there, and um, and we're going to lead into uh, to a, a broader European conversation. Bumper this edition, weekend. yeah, exactly, extended edition. Um, with um, with more talk on the Premier League and the, and and just what might happen this weekend next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King, the king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box, the extended European edition. We've been covering off the promotion and relegation stories, but. There are so many more stories this week, and we talked to George Sefton at the top of the hour about what a amazing night it was at Anfield. But um, the one game that we haven't talked about in much detail just yet is the uh, is the other game, which we will talk about in a moment. But what you don't want to get ahead of these great games as they come to a peak is the flu. And the one way Got my jab this week. Flu. Well done, down at Chemist Warehouse. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going. Now, we've all got now the, this week. Everyone listening at home, this week, I'm told, is the perfect time to get your flu jab, Rob. Yeah, it's because week. it takes about three weeks to kick in, yep. and then it has a full effect for about three months. That's exactly mm. right, Edge. And uh, um, so if you get it now and get onto it, then you won't... Um, well, hopefully, there's not, not no guarantees in life, is there? But uh, you know, you you are a better chance of not getting it. And, and there is apparently there's two strains of the flu floating around. This mm. is what the uh, mm. pharmacist uh, told me when I got my jab at Chemist mm. Warehouse. Mm. That there's two strains, so it's actually more important this year than ever. Yeah, exactly right. So what do you do? What do you need to do to get in there? Because the Chemist Warehouse program goes online, up until mate. May the 24th. That's exactly right. So you've got a couple of weeks to go. And as Edge said, it takes up to three weeks before it begins to protect you. That is the vaccination. So get into Chemist Warehouse. Quick, convenient, affordable. And you don't need to bring a script. That's the most important thing you need to hear. All you need to do is get online. The prescription and the administration are provided on site by a qualified health professional. So for twelve ninety nine, you can protect yourself at Chemist Warehouse. Chemistwarehouse.com.au forward slash flu to protect yourself this winter. So, you know, how would you be if you were Can in I that ask Liverpool you a question side? First, yes. Just what we've experienced this week. Mm. Last weekend's um, matches in the Premier League were exciting enough. We mm. Obviously, um, Vincent's goal was spectacular to keep City that noses in front. And then obviously what we experienced with the Champions League semi-finals. How do you think that news has reverberated around Australia? What's your assessment of the impact mm. of those events here in Australia, Rob? So you're talking obviously outside of the, you know, the the core. Yeah, of outside of people. the the, the mm. channel that is the the football community, which we know is big. Yeah. But how do you think the impact has been? What's the impact been? Yeah. Look. I, I, 
I think it's um, it's cut through uh, because it's getting run in all of the major bulletins uh, across uh, the major platforms, uh, traditional media of TV, radio, newsprint, etc. And uh, and as we know, it just flies around social media instantly the moment it happens. So to answer your question, I think what it does is it puts football up another level, another step. I, I, it's obviously uh, it doesn't have the the same impact as it, as it does in Europe, but uh, that's for obvious reasons because we're in the right in the middle of our domestic uh, winter code seasons and uh, um, and they are you know whether you like it or not um, the the most popularly supported sports in this country but uh, yeah I think it's it's stepped it up uh, an, another level and uh, um, yeah it's it's a good thing it's it's part of the incremental growth of football but the the question or the point I was going to make earlier on it's like that that old story uh, that old sledge of when um, uh, Mark Wall was gobbing off at uh, at an English um, player once upon a time and uh, and the player gave this great retort mate you're not even the best player in your family and uh, and so the, the contrast I was going to make was that imagine if you were a, a Liverpool fan um, after that comeback 24 hours later it wasn't even the greatest comeback of the week uh, that's because, right <laughs> uh, Spurs make that incredible um, comeback Lucas Moura just amazing, Dino. Well, look, I, do, I, I watched it with my kids this morning. Mm. Uh, we're no Tottenham fans any day of the week. Mm. But I like Tottenham, you know, mm. respect them. Yeah, you like Tottenham. I like yeah. Tottenham. Yeah. And I, well, I like the manager more. So. Yeah, you do. Uh, and, I like, and the owner. And I like Daniel. I yeah, like, that's right. Yeah, you like I think Daniel Lee is, is, really well. is the right yeah. guy. I mean, I don't know him personally, but his business sense, he's done an unbelievable job at that stadium. But we're, <laughs> we're like going... We had a sleep at half time and then turned back on and he's made the sub. And anyway, within 10 minutes, it's back on, isn't it? Because it's like, we're back in this. And we're going, we. And then when the equaliser went in, all three of us jumped on mm. each other and like squealing like it was Derby mm. had just won last week when they got through. And it was like, what are we doing? But it, it just turned from that, from the day before. And I'm, I, I, I can't remember in my lifetime a 24-hour period where two things have happened, where one's mm. just gone, we'll have a bit of that, and then mm. gone, no, we'll have a little bit of this. Well, remember when we were talking this time last week with Dougie Hodgson, and we, and we all agreed there will be a twist in the tail, <laughs> and we tended to think <laughs> that, that, that it would be in one of the games, but not both. No, it was, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't, I, I'd love to see it now be matched or bettered. Hmm. If you get it, um, for those people who love their social media, it's probably still on the Optus Sport uh, hmm. story hmm. on their Facebook page with um, with John Aloisi and Ned Zelich at halftime just giving Tottenham no, no chance. chance. <laughs> and then the expressions of their face for the rest of the... Hmm. It was fantastic just to hmm. uh, filter through that. Uh, well, even Johnny at the end of the game, Said I, I can't be. So I am blessed to have been, yeah, he's been a fortunate both of those, to yeah. two of these mm, events, mm, yeah. and, and I've seen it live. I mm. mean, it's unbelievable. And Derek, uh, you were born and bred, grew up, uh, cut your teeth on all of this, as did Dino. Um, but um, he wouldn't have. So, uh, he, there's no way no Derek would want have taught them to get through, surely. Well, as a gunner, himself. I mean, no way no. He was he was hoping uh, AX were going to win ten nil. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that is right to a certain extent. Um, I begrudgingly respect the the Spurs project. You yeah. know, they haven't invested in the team at all. Uh, I love uh, players like Son. I think this has been the week of almost the unforgotten 
the, the forgotten heroes. Mm. So uh, at Anfield, you had you know Gino Wijnaldum, for example, yeah. not the player you thought was going to pop right, up and yeah. score the goal. And, Lucas and then Lucas Moura, who was totally written off yeah. uh, as a as a nothing kind of signing mm. uh, and his um, desire to get on the first two goals it really just showed you that what what you can do you know particularly and don't forget Jordan Shakiri with Liverpool mm. he, he was critical yeah. in putting oh, some look, of those he, balls if he, in. he was poor for little spells because he mm. hadn't played enough mm. but the ball the ball in for the Ronaldo header was quality what about Lucas Moura's second goal that was mm. that that's I mean it was there was a world-class save and the ball sort of bobbling around in the box, and he just did some magic, mm. got it between someone's legs, and and then passed the the final defender. It was just a remarkable nine, goal. I think I counted nine touches of the ball from when the keeper spills yeah. it, and he's trying to but dance. But wasn't that and wasn't that save an unbelievable save? Yeah. And I think the other one on this, Lloris, hasn't had much credit for the, he played well. the save that he yeah. made. Yeah, yeah. you know. I thought that the, the flow of the Spurs game obviously was completely different to the Liverpool game. Liverpool got an early goal, and then you always felt like that they were in in the tie, even though it it came into the second half when yeah. the, when the, the the other goals came. Tottenham went two nil down. You know, as you said uh, earlier, that the Ajax players were laughing coming off the pitch. You just didn't think there was a chance yeah. that this was going to happen, and I just wonder. You know, did what happened at Anfield the night before somehow seep into this game? Well, Pochettino did say that he used it to to try and inspire mm. the players. Yeah, uh, not just the the Tottenham players, but the Ajax players as well. Mm. You know, Delict and some of their fabulous footballers, but they're only nineteen, twenty mm. years old, mm. and they maybe hadn't um, seen that kind of uh, sort of was a different, action on the pitch. Derek, I thought it was a, it was mm. much different, uh, very different games and very different emotions because when um, for me, when Liverpool scored the winner, the fourth goal, I was just scratching my head about the Barcelona defence and mm. how disorganised and shambolic they were. Mm. A club of that quality to just not prepare. Uh, I mean, they were they were pointing fingers at each other, and it was as if they looked like schoolboys. Yeah, look, I mean, I think, that, that was that was the reaction I had to the fourth goal. I think this Barcelona team, you know, it's still an excellent team. It's won La Liga. It's won La Liga two years in a row. It's not the Barcelona team under Pep Guardiola. It hasn't mm. got the the Puyols. It hasn't got the Xavi's in there. Also, you've got to think about the competitive nature of their league as well. You were talking about Scotland not earlier. Yeah. You know, they do get some. But you don't no, expect get... a player of the experience of Jordi Alba to make two such obvious defensive errors. No, no he was poor goals. most of the day. Mm. He, he was giving it away for fun. Mm. Surely yeah, look, he's I, copping a hiding in the press over there. I, I think honestly, this has probably been the best Champions League I can think of, or mm. certainly for some time, because it's not just these two games. Um, you well, think about the quarters, I mean, the quarters were good. Yeah, the, Man, yeah. the Man United PSG uh, game, yeah. the Ajax versus Juventus game, yeah, the yeah. Ajax versus yeah. Real Madrid game, the mm. fact that Tottenham, you know, somehow scraped through their group at the start, mm. and they've actually Scotland have sorry uh, Spurs have scraped through this entire tournament basically. And they're, and in the they're in the final. Mm. The only thing I'd say about the final is I was looking forward to. Liverpool Ajax not just because um, as an Arsenal fan I'm absolutely terrified of Tottenham doing something that we haven't uh, in winning the Champions <laughs> League um, but also I thought that would be a classic European final Liverpool versus yes, Ajax I, agree with you. Yeah. I think what we're going to get is a Premier League game yeah. and that's good mm. um, yeah. but it's going to be a very different kind of game I think to what we would have you know would have had before mm. but obviously both teams are deserve to be there and it'll be a fabulous event Derek's just just picked on a really good point there that both teams are in the final only got through the qualifying stages on goal difference. Mm, mm. Both teams. Mm. Is the away goals rule in 
international football and you know Champions League. Is it just? I love it. I think it's funny. I was funny. I was talking to a rugby league uh, friend of (laughs) mine. uh, um, I'll throw throw his name out there. Anthony Maroon. He um, he commentates for Triple M on the NRL in Sydney, and he is your archetypal single sport fan. Yeah. He just bags every other sport, yeah. but he does it partly for fun. And so I'll take great pleasure in breaking down the games of the past 48 hours. And he goes, so you're trying to convince me of this game and you're trying to tell me that some goals count for more than one. <laughs> but but he's reluctantly um, agreeing that it was a great story. Guys, we're going to throw the rule book out the window tonight because we've extended uh, the conversation around the Champions League so much that um, that we're going to deal with this weekend's uh, upcoming activities yep, in stoppage, time. In stoppage mm-hmm. time. Okay, so just hold that thought and, uh, and stick around because uh, we'll press the pause button and, and come back and, and have a yarn about what's coming up this weekend. Next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. The king of storage, moving and more. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Yes, this is Box to Box. The extended European segment of stoppage time coming up as the fourth official signals. There are nine minutes left to go. But before we do, Michael Edgley has driven the truck down with Dino, the delivery man, to Storage King to... Get all of the uh, the backpacks filled with scarves, yeah. international adapters. Bit of secret agent work this week. There sure was, and sort of down at uh, Storage King, we uh, obviously that's where we store all of our stuff. And Dino and I were down there sorting it out, and Dino did his magic work, and they were all delivered within 48 exactly. hours. Yeah, and I got home, and there was a nice big white bag sitting there at my front doorstep, uh, and uh, Storage King did played their part in it because they, they are the kings of storage moving in all over Australia. Get to storageking.com.au because that is the place to start, whether it's on your device, on the your The bags we're talking about, uh, fans out there, is the uh, packs that all the guests who were going to the World Women's World Cup in France got. They got a, a lovely pack that included adapters and scarves and hats mm. and you name it, bags, it, backpack. And, and it wouldn't have been stored safely without the secure premises of Storage King. So if you want to store your gear, whether it's your personal gear, whether it's the gear... Uh, for uh, a big international odyssey like Michael's about to go on and leave us back at home again uh, to hold the fort in this uh, studio. Dean, Derek might come Jeez, back. He spent a whole segment talking about his time on the cop. The, um, <laughs> well, hey, hey, I was there. Sorry, Michael. It just happened to be true, and uh, we only deal with the facts here. So get along to Storage King where you'll get the best of service, storage moving and more. They are the kings of storage moving and more. They are Storage King. Yeah, we've got Derek we with us, haven't we? box to box. Yes, we do have we Derek, have Derek. Now, Premier League, Derek. Premier League, Premier League. Can you give us the scenario for um, for Manchester City and Liverpool fans? Uh, what needs to happen for Liverpool to win the Premier League on the weekend? Uh, Manchester, they need Manchester City to not win. So Matt Ryan, the Socceroos goalkeeper for Brighton, is going to be probably one of the closest followed figures this week. Then you'll have George Sefton's answer. What do we need from Matt Ryan? Be big. Be big, yeah. So, obviously, he's going to have a big role to play, Matty Ryan. And Brighton are not without their own challenges, are they? Uh, they've not had the greatest of times over the last month or so. But Matt has been playing quite well. So the I just wish us. that the relegation battle was still alive from a Liverpool point of view and that Brighton really had something to play for as opposed to just being uh, you know, in a position where they could uh, potentially bring yeah. City um, undone. Because I think if City score early, they'll just knock the stuffing out of Brighton. It could be anything. Well, no one knows Matt 
the way he plays like we do. And, mm. you know, Matty's a, a super competitor. He'll be looking at this as one of the greatest challenges of his life, Dino, won't he? Mm. I think he will. But there have been some games in the last month or so, and, and until literally the last two weeks, where that defence has been so leaky. I mean, seriously. They have not been very good coming into the back Brighton. end of this season. Yeah. No, they've had a tough time, haven't they? Hey, what about um, Dougie Hodgson's mates, uh, the, uh, the gaffer at Cardiff? Yeah. Neil Warnock. Yeah. Neil. What about his response? His response to the uh, the referee and and their result last week. Well, expand. Oh, I don't. I wasn't. Oh, look, I th- I he think, spat it basically. I, well, he, but he spat it for. And then to be fair, there's a couple. I mean, even the one with the William hair job, you know, and that that cost them a goal. They they were on the rough end of a lot of decisions, and I think I he, find. Yeah, he, he had a tantrum though, didn't he? A lot of the teams near the bottom seem to not get always the rub of the green for me compared to the top teams. Probably while they get relegated. Well, Neil Warnock has been known to have the odd tantrum in his time <laughs> well, as well, it was, it was, I must, I must But it add. was a good one, wasn't it? It was a really yeah, was, good one, and yeah. uh, we, he's entertaining when he does Oh, look, I think Neil Warnock is, you know, he's had a pretty stressful season. I th- he started this season saying that it didn't really matter because they were kind of lucky to, you know, just felt lucky to be there anyway. But obviously, again, with what happened with Emiliano Salah in the middle of the season, I think that took mm. its toll on him. And then there was this, that skerrick of hope that they... That they could stay up and and uh, the door just got slammed on them at the end there. So mm. just frustration coming out of thing. So what's your thinking, gentlemen? Um, hope against hope from a Liverpool point of view is that uh, Brighton lift and do something special and that Wolves are on the beach and uh, it all ends up beautifully. But I, I just I don't think it's going to happen. Well, you know, we just got to look at this this week's events to suggest that anything can happen. It only takes a a goal, uh, you know, an unexpected goal by Brighton at, uh, you know, a crucial stage of the game. And we're in for an incredible ride. It, it's one, it, it is one of the best events of the football calendar, the uh, last round of the season in the Premier League, when all the games kick off at the same time. It's um, for the one round of the year, a commerciality thrown out the window, no staggered fixtures to maximise broadcast, um, mm. broadcast content around the world. It, it is... It, it happens it's all about the integrity, integrity of, of, the, of the event. And um, so all that happens, and um, I just love it. It's just going to be absolutely fantastic. So and, your prediction? Uh, look, I, I think uh, I think Wolves will beat Liverpool. So I think, I think it'll, whatever happens down at uh, Manchester won't happen. Wolves will, will beat Liverpool at Anfield? Yeah, I reckon they That's will. That's the one thing that I didn't I expect I'll, you to say. Yeah, I reckon Wolves will beat I'll, already I'll, on the I'll beach, mate. I'll put my house on that Liverpool <laughs> go nowhere there. They'll smack the Wolves. They'll smack them. They're, they're, in, they're, they're on a high, and they're... they're you know, look, the big the big guys in on the case three weeks away. This is the biggest game. They've got to win this, mm. do their own business. Um, and you never know. I mean, look, I, I think City will win it. I think they've just been unbelievably... I think it was 19 games, I think you said, in a row. And right, not Derek, what's your prediction? Oh, I'm sorry to say, I think both teams will win. Um, possibly a little twist on the day because there, there often is. But, mm. yeah, I think City are going to be champions. All right, well, I'm going to be... Um the outlier here, even though I think it's the longest of long odds, I am going to predict that Liverpool will turn over Wolves and that Matty Ryan will be the hero, um, that City will get all sorts of opportunities. Liverpool will sign him as goalkeeper next year. Exactly. He'll get the keys to the City of Liverpool. Now, Dino, you've got something as well in terms of a little wrap-up on some of our predictors. Usually I get a sense when Dino comes in announcing that he wants to make an announcement that usually he's the winner. So uh, that's what I'm expecting to hear. Um, I think you might might have won, Rob. Stand by. 
Well, I shouldn't have him too much. Can you pet a bit more? I've actually put it into the vault, and I can't find it. <laughs> okay, so this is the championship predictions. Um, so uh, we've made uh, a number of predictions across got the board. It. He's got it. He's got it. Yeah, so as, as we all know, what the prediction is, you, you predict from the very start on a blank piece of paper who's going to finish first to 24th. If you get them right in the top six and the bottom three, uh, you get two points if they're in the wrong position, but they're in that in that, that zone. Or if you get it spot on, it's five points. So without further ado... In third place, drum rolled, Rob Gilbert on 13. He's, he had a, he didn't get any, he got one five. In second place, Dean Hennessy <laughs> on 16 I'm back. points. I'm back. Who, I'm who, back, who, baby. He got one, two, two fives. But the winner would make no mistake of that with two fives as well, but a bit more twos is. <laughs> Michael Edgley on 18. Okay, so what, 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 so, so what did what, what won it for him? Um, well, his bonus was, in fact, he got the two fives uh, with Middlesbrough and Derby finishing fifth, uh, sorry, sixth and seventh, and then he had Villa, uh, West Brom in the top four, and mm. he also had Bolton and Rotherham in the bottom three. Well done, Michael. Congratulations. So, uh, well done, Michael. Congratulations. Thank so, you. A league um... winner, championship winner. Uh, the one that Jono does, winner. Yeah, yeah the one that Jono does. <laughs> don't, just, don't disrespect the, Jono's tipping. This is the weekly tipping in the A-League. The weekly. The, the, the top shelf. still got the EPL to Okay, go. all right. Hey, Derek, it's been a great having you back in the studio again, mate. No, thank you very much. Enjoyed it. A lot of fun. Uh, George Sefton on the line, Ryan Grant. Uh, what a week and, and what a week. Do we get some guests on the show? Yeah, we sure do, boys. All right, Edge, um, Dino, you two, um, and Nigel, thank you. And Willem uh, sitting out there um, waving farewell. So join us, uh, ladies and gentlemen, next week when we're going to find out who goes up, who goes down for sure, who wins the Premier League. Uh, but we've still got lots more to come on Box to Box when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.